Welcome to episode four of the Serial Killers Kitchen podcast. I am your host, Serial Killer Chris, and today we have a special guest. He's the author of the children's book, CJ's Big Dream, CJ's Big Moment, and CJ's Big Project. He created a nonprofit organization called the Quiet Storm Foundation, where he aims to create a whirlwind of opportunities for the youth of Las Vegas. And he's also an entrepreneur, and he played a little bit in the NBA. Welcome to the show, CJ Watson. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it, man. We always start the show with some serial questions because that's mm-hmm. pretty much what it's about. And right. I think I already know your answer <laughs> because like the first uh, interaction we had, you asked about a certain cereal. But what right. is your favorite cereal of all time? Holes is my favorite cereal. I don't think y'all have that still, right? Yeah, we still oh, yeah, 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 they okay. come in big boxes now. Oh, okay, okay, okay. That. that's my favorite one. Honey Oats. <laughs> like I never heard of it before I actually started um, the cereal business, I guess. But right. like it is definitely, in my opinion, one of the most under underrated cereals. Oh, yeah, for also. Sure, yeah. And I know people think maybe it's more healthy, or they try to compare it to Honey Nut Cheerios, but it's 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 completely different. Any other cereals you liked growing um, up? Um, I love Frosted Flakes. It was always a, a go to in our household. Uh, Honey Nut Cheerios, the the one with with sugar and without sugar. Then uh, uh, you know, like Fruity Pebbles, stuff like that. Okay, so I never got to experience the D one Division one lifestyle. Uh, mm-hmm. I did the JUCO route and. You know, we had to live off cereal and stuff. Was it right. the same way in at big colleges or like that, or were you guys fed yeah, really same, well? Yeah, it's the same. Obviously, we were, we were treated a little bit better. Uh, we had, you know, steak, lobster, stuff like yeah. that. Uh, but for breakfast, you know, cereal was a go-to, you know, eggs, your fruit, stuff like that. Definitely. I know the biggest thing, like, I, I'm not going to say a regret, or like just looking at what the college players get now with NIL. Mm-hmm. And, like, that stuff is not fair. Like, well, right. it is fair, right. but it just, it sucks that, like, when I played football, we couldn't even wear colored gloves. And right. now... You can pretty much do whatever you want. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. So this part is going to be called this or that. I'm going to throw out a couple of cereals. You let me know which one you think is better. All right. Fruity Pebbles or Cinnamon Toast Crunch? Uh, Fruity Pebbles. Interview over. <laughs> <laughs> I never really had Cinnamon Toast Crunch, and I never really liked it in milk. That's, that's, yeah, that's understandable. Um, the taste doesn't doesn't fare with me. I'm just not a fruity cereal fan, so I just right. automatically disqualification. Yeah, but yeah. those are definitely our top two most popular items we oh, go really? through. Uh, boxes, probably 30, yeah. 40 boxes a week of those right, two. Yeah. So uh, we buy them a lot. So I appreciate Fruity Pebbles for that aspect. Cocoa Pebbles or Cocoa Puffs? I never had either one. They're both nasty anyway because yeah, yeah. chocolate chips. <laughs> uh, and, fruit, and I don't like chocolate. <laughs> yeah. Fruit Loops or Oops All Berries? Uh, fruit Loops for sure. Honey Nut Cheerios or Rice Krispies? Honey Nut Cheerios. Raisin Bran or Wheaties? I don't like raisins. Those are both nasty. Yeah, Wheaties, Wheaties are disgusting. Um, but I... I I had to choose one, I choose Wheaties. All right, now we're going to move on to some, you know, some basketball questions, stuff about growing up, but I have mm-hmm. to start with this one. In your, let's, let's just say senior year to where it's even. Yeah. <laughs> you and Kashif. Oh. Same, same team, just you two are the interchangeable parts. What team wins that state championship? Uh, the fact that he said, uh, that's a shock. No, I would If you put my brother on, on my team, I, I don't think they win. You don't think so? No. You think you went easily on his For team? Sure. I yeah, just they, brought they a different. I brought a different, uh, you know, I guess uh, feel to the team. Obviously, uh, especially with the players that I played with in my junior and sophomore years, the way they lead, uh, led me, and then you know, just kind of grew me into to be uh, the killer that I was. I guess, um, uh, like I said, I just brought a different tenacity to the team. Like you couldn't do nothing in practice and uh, and me not say nothing to you. Definitely. <laughs> I was like the Jordan on the, la- the last <laughs> oh. uh, dance or whatever. Hey, that's <laughs> I was, what you I was need, a man. real teammate. <laughs> hey, hey it, pro- it proved greatness. So right, it, yeah. it showed like it worked out that way. Yeah. But, um, so I'm pretty sure you've seen plenty of the debates on Facebook, on Instagram about who is the top players to ever come out of Las Vegas. Yep. 
who would you put in your top five? For me, I'm just big on uh, history and knowing the game before me and the guys who came before me. So I would say, like, you know, Greg Anthony, uh, obviously Marcus Banks, Lionel Hollins, people, you know, that's uh, older than me that people don't really know about. Kevin Soares, uh, Spider-Man Burns. Yeah, so you have the actual history. Right, Everybody yeah. is going to go to the right, yeah, yeah. I, okay, I couldn't just just NBA time yeah, and yeah, stuff I, like that. I, once you just played in the NBA, I mean, that's cool and all, but it, it depends on what you did in, you know, in high school, in, in the city or whatever, and were you really dominant, were your teams really winning. So I think that's a, a big factor of it. Definitely, definitely. Were there any players that you looked up to coming up in high school? Like who was uh, that one player? Uh, well, one of my teammates was the biggest one, Denard Taylor. He was like the man on our team. He was okay. the first guy that I knew as a freshman that played varsity uh, at Gorman, and then, he was, and then I got to play with him too. So just the way he – uh, what about the game, the approach, um, the focus, and uh, I learned a lot from them. Definitely, definitely. Now, what about on the women's side? I think it's not really debatable about the top three. Yeah. Uh, I think Sequoia, Italy, and uh, Chelsea, but do you know any other people um, you want to throw out there? I would say Brianna Gray. Uh, obviously, she maybe didn't go to the pros and do much in the pros, but she was a killer uh, when she played at Gorman. Um, but, yeah, Sequoia and Chelsea are, you know, I didn't really watch Italy that much, but Sequoia and Chelsea I watched, and they were, they were dogs. Definitely. They can beat most of the boys. Right, yeah, uh, they, yeah. just, they really had it. But uh, so, man, so growing up in Las Vegas, like what part of town did you grow up on? You know, how did you get into sports and mm -hmm. stuff? And how did you stay out of trouble and all the distractions yeah. of everything? Yeah, so I grew up on the west side of Vegas, you know, in the area around Doolittle, uh, inner city. Um, parents came here from Nashville and they moved just to get my dad out of trouble in, in Nashville. Um, so it was just a it was just a big culture shock uh, for me and just. I think playing sports was a release. It kept us out of trouble. My parents always kept us involved in church, uh, playing sports, uh, going to feed the homeless, like doing things like that just to keep us well-grounded and keep us out of trouble because there was so much to get in trouble, you know, around do little uh, gangs and violence, uh, stuff like that. So it was just – it was good that they kept us focused, and I see why now. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like that area, like they say, they're trying to – they've been trying for years to right, get yeah. it up and going – you know, a lot of I work for the city, so I've seen like right. the growth in it. But like, there it's easy. It's easier to get in trouble than it is to do anything positive right. and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. All right, now this is a sensitive subject for me. Um, I have a love hate with Bishop Gorman. Everybody does. It's all right. Uh, I say I love <laughs> we, them. We love y'all too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we love the haters, <laughs> man. Because like you know, I played on the Wolverines down at Doolittle, so yeah. I played with Demarco, Martrell, Deontay, right. like uh, everybody that went. Yeah, off the Gorman, obviously, right. like I didn't even live close and I obviously didn't know the ins and outs and I couldn't afford Gorman. Right, yep. And obviously they destroyed us in every single sport every year. And I say I love them because like, I wish I could have went there. Right. And my kid, my son, if he's going to play sports, I'm right. definitely sending him there. Right. And uh, like I'm not going to like say you guys weren't dominant because you obviously won a couple state championships. But like Gorman wasn't what Gorman is now when right. it comes pretty much I call it a sports academy yeah, yeah. at this point. But do you think it's fair that they're still competing for like state championships or should they be like IMG just doing everything on the national level? I mean, I, I know like the smaller sports, but like football, basketball, baseball, like. They're so dominant, and I think that, like, that tier of athlete playing Clark or something like that, it's, right. it's literally not making them better. They're just creating film, which yeah, I yeah. guess helps, but should they just be playing on the national on the Level. national scene? Um, I mean, I think for, for kids growing up here in Vegas, um, obviously my parents couldn't afford it either. I got a scholarship, um, but everyone thought my parents could afford it, which is crazy. <laughs> um, but I think they, could, they should be competing uh, at – the high school level in Gorman because when they go play these teams on a national level, they don't do as well as, you know, yeah. as here. So I think um, obviously they're very dominant in the Vegas area, which is, which is good. But when they go to Cali and go to play modern days and 
you know, the, the big Catholic schools like that, they don't do as well. And so they're not as dominant as people think they are. Okay. Yeah. I do think on the, like on the bright side, it does, it brings a lot of exposure to Vegas basketball, right, Vegas yeah. football. So I'm pretty sure a lot, like even with DeMarco, like he got a scholarship for the sport that he played by right. playing basketball. Right, so, yeah. you know, you bring, they bring coaches in, they bring people right. to the Valley and it, it does. Cause like, we might not ever admit it to anybody that went to Gorman, but like when we're out of state or with our friends and, and we bring up schools, oh, well, we got Gorman. Gorman so yeah, we yeah. use you guys, right, it's, but it's, we yeah. really don't like yeah. it. Yeah, but it's great. Like you said, it's yeah. just exposure for other kids. A lot of kids might not ever get recruited. So DeMarco yeah. going there or me going to Tennessee, they might come see me, but there might be a school, Santa Clara, coming to see somebody else who they can't get me, but they can get someone on my team. So it's Definitely. good for, for everyone. And um, I had asked, uh, especially like Sequoia and Chelsea, this question, why do you think UNLV loses a lot of the top recruits? I don't know. For me personally, uh, so when I was getting recruited, UNLV never recruited me. I don't know why. I, I wanted to stay at home. I didn't want to leave to go anywhere. So that's, it was just a crazy fact for me. But when I was there, when I was getting recruited, Marcus was already there. So I didn't want to go and play behind anyone else. I wanted to go in as a freshman, you know, start and play and get the experience. So I don't know if I would have stayed here and played behind Marcus. I'm Maybe could have played together. I don't know, but um, I didn't have the option. But they maybe terrible. gave me the option. Maybe I would have thought about it, but they didn't. So give between me the you, uh, Chelsea said they never, they never right. reached out to her. Pierre, I just heard on a podcast, yeah. and my friend Greg's yeah. never reached out to him. Yeah. And t- well, uh, towards the end, but then Lon Kruger had already had the right. job at Oklahoma. So yeah, yeah. yeah. so hopefully, I know like on the women's side, uh, LaRock is trying to recruit Same her. Day, She's yeah. from here, so right. hopefully that makes a big difference. Right. Yep. But. Uh, but why did you choose Bishop Gorman? Was it just... I didn't choose it. Like I said, my mom chose it. My mom just it. chose my it for you? My mom dad chose it. They, my mom saw that it was a better education for me. Um, I think I was zoned for either Palo or, like, Bonanza. Yeah, they were shooting uh, everybody up to Palo. Right, yeah. yep. And uh, But I, I wanted to go to Durango. I wanted to play with, like, Frank and Montreal. Because uh, I always played against them in Doolittle, and they always killed me. So I said, why don't I team up with them? But uh, my mom saw the opportunity for her kid to get a, a better education and to get some exposure playing basketball and what better place than Gorman? Like I said, we couldn't afford it. She applied for a scholarship. We got it. And then next thing you know, that's where I'm at. Yeah, that's great, man. Like, I wish I knew anything about scholarships. I just thought they came to our football practice and was like, I want DeMarco. Right, I want yeah. you. <laughs> and uh, it was this rumor that, like, DeMarco's dad was, like, a multimillionaire at right. that point, and he was paying for everybody. Right, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> all, the, crazy, all these man. crazy yeah, stories yeah. <laughs> that, that we would hear then. Right. Uh, all right, so like your, you know, your senior year, you averaged close to thirty points a game. Something you like had that, all the top accolades, top fifty in the country. Like, what was that recruiting process like? Uh, like, what were some of the b- other big schools that you had on your list? Uh, so my dream school was to go to UCLA. That's the school I wanted to go to. I would have committed there, uh, but Steve Levin got fired. Uh, but I had Oregon on my list. I had uh, who else? Uh, it was really, really just Oregon, Tennessee, and like Fresno State. I took a visit to, um, but those are the schools that I really wanted to go to. Definitely. Without saying any names or anything, like, were there any crazy recruiting stories? Uh, no, so I only took two re- recruiting trips. I took okay. one to Tennessee, my first one. I actually committed on the trip. My dad was like, you don't want to pass this down because they pretty much just wooed us with everything, you know. Okay. And my dad was like, don't don't uh, miss this opportunity. And it's Tennessee, you know, it's close to home. My parents, my sister lived like two hours away. So if I need anything, she was always there. Um, but, yeah, then I took a visit to Fresno State like a couple weeks after. And Tennessee was hot because I – already committed to them. They're like, why are you going on another trip? Uh, but I was like, hey, I already told them I was coming, so I got to go. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. So how was your time there? Did you come in dominant right away, or did you have to uh, sit the um, or be a backup for a couple of years? How did no, it go? I started every game except for one game, senior night. Uh, one of my, one, my teammates, he was a senior, oh, so okay, you I let him start. But, uh, yeah, I started every game. From day one, I had the ball in my hands. I got to play with uh, Ron Slay, who was an all-SEC player, all-American that year. 
Um, we didn't do that well in the tournament, uh, but, you know, I got to play right away and, you know, learn a lot, um, be, play against uh, great point guards because every night in the point, there's a different point guard in the SEC. You can't take any nights off. So um, it was it was a great, great experience for me. All right, so let's move on to a couple NBA questions. They're going to be uh, first some standard ones and just mm -hmm. get your opinion, and then we'll move on uh, to your journey. So who is the GOAT? Uh, Jordan. I mean, to me, there's plenty of goats. I like Jordan's a goat for me. Say Iverson is for me, right? So. Yeah. I mean, I like I love Iverson yeah. too. But Kobe is my like goat one B. Then obviously LeBron. Okay. You can't figure it about Kareem though. Kareem is, you know, leading the league in the yeah. sport. <laughs> what player gave you your welcome to the NBA moment? Not just like getting dunked on, but like who was like, yeah. damn, thirty points, like. Uh, I would have to say Ben Gordon. Uh, I was playing for the Bulls at the time, so it was like my third year. It was kind of a little uh, past, you know, uh, welcome to the NBA moment. But still, I was coming off the bench, and uh, he already got – He already, I think he started that game. He hit like 10 points already. Coach was like, CJ, go in there and get him. You know, <laughs> I'm guarding. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so he goes in. First shot, you know, hits, hits, hits it on me. And then two or three later, three, four in a row, five, six in a row, six, seven. Yeah. He, he didn't miss. <laughs> it was yeah. like, I, I can't do nothing about it. Yeah, it was over. <laughs> so would you say that that was just like a one-time thing, or was there a player that just gave you trouble all the time? Uh, I feel like, yeah, that was just a one-time thing for that occasion. But um, I think, like, smaller guards always gave me trouble. Um, but Brandon Jennings, uh, Brandon Jennings gave our team 55 points one time with the Warriors. I remember. <laughs> uh, that was tough. He, he gave a little bit to everybody. Do you think that super teams have ruined the game of basketball? Uh, no, I don't think so. Do you think it's good for it? I think it's good for it because uh, back in the day, all those other guys had super teams. We just didn't really, you know. Yeah, they didn't. We didn't, you know, yeah. we didn't know about it then. But <laughs> they're all Magic, uh, or not even Magic, but yeah, Magic's teams too. Magic, Kareem, Worthy, they're crazy. Yeah, about four or five players <laughs> are on the top seventy-five list. <laughs> all, of, all Hall of Famers right. talking about. Well, I say it's, it's good to like the you know you know to take some of that power back to do what you want. Right, like yeah. as much as people. Don't like Kyrie right now, KD, LeBron, for those reasons. It's yeah. like, it's your life. You make what's best for it. Right. Like, they're going to judge you. Even when LeBron's on the Cavs trying his hardest, they're going to judge him. And right. they're going to judge you any, uh, no matter what's what's going on. Yep, yep. Who was some of your favorite teammates to ever play with? Uh, Joe Kim Noah was probably one of my favorite ones. Crazy uh, dude. I played against him in college, too. And we, me and him had plenty of battles. Uh, Baron Davis, Steven Jackson, Al Harrington, Matt Barnes, uh, Kurt Thomas, uh, Darren Williams, Joe Johnson, one of my favorite teammates and most talented teammates. Definitely like like I like like Joe Kim Noah and um, Draymond Green, just that type yeah, of player because yeah. I was never really like blessed right. to have a jump shot or anything. I, I can just jump, but I can play defense. Yeah, so yeah. those are definitely people that I always yeah. uh, looked up to on that end. Um, I would say most people's favorite highlight of you is I think it's a summer league game. <laughs> Steph is doing what Steph does. Right, he hits the shot. You come back and make him fall, but for that slight second. The camera kind of kind of misses it. Yeah. Do you make a move on him, or do you just blow by him and no, I, surprise? I made, I made a move on him, and he just fell. Okay, it wasn't like it wasn't bad. I think even the clip before that, when I was guarding him, I don't think you know he did anything special. You, you I was right playing, there. Yeah, I'm, I'm right here. He just hit the jump yeah. shot. Yeah, he does what Steph does. Yeah, yeah. I mean this Steph Steph stuff. So you know, it's uh, it's all fun though. Now uh, going into the NBA, like uh, obviously you know the idea of playing in the NBA, the contracts, but. For me, like, my biggest moment besides, like, would be, like, the draft would be, like, seeing myself on NBA 2K. Yeah. <laughs> so how did that feel? Like, um, It's kind of crazy because it started actually in college because I was in the college game, okay. too. Uh, so I never really played with myself a lot. Uh, I played with myself maybe a couple times against my nieces and nephews. And I would just shoot threes all day. And uh, I would score, like, 80, 90 points a game. But that, it's definitely cool to see 
you know, to, to see yourself on that game, which, you know, growing up in, like I said, from the west side of Vegas, I never thought I would be this successful or even get to college or even get to the NBA or even be in the game. So it's kind of crazy. Definitely. Like, that would be like my well, I've created myself, and I'm 6'9", right. right, yeah, yeah. 280, have Long a 90-inch yeah. vertical. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so you pretty much you completed your four years at Tennessee. I know you wanted to go to the NBA at that point and yeah. things didn't work out. You went as a, um, a di- whole different journey, but like, right. was it a disappointment that day or did you kind of know that it probably wasn't going to happen at that point? Uh, it was definitely a different disappointment. Uh, so the, the story is uh, me and my agent at the time, Mike Higgins, who's actually from Vegas, called me and said the Detroit Pistons going to draft you with the last pick. So, I'm, you know, I'm going to get drafted last pick. It's cool. Last pick comes by and they draft Will Bynum. Um, definitely disappointment. That was the first time ever I was about to cry over basketball because I didn't Something promised to me that didn't happen. Uh, so then from there, you know, I just uh, went back to the drawing board. What's next? So we chose to go overseas. They offered me $120,000, uh, most money I've ever seen in my life. Crazy. So I was like, you know, I might as well take it. Uh, I'm, I'm broke as hell right now. I'm coming out of college, so I got to go take it. No matter where it's at, I'm going. Went over there, played basketball for a year, definitely hated it. It was the worst decision ever. Um, had a new coach every month. So going over there, trying to get used to one coach's scheme, then he gets fired. And you got to do the whole thing over and over again for six or seven months. So that was just a, a tough experience for me. So how did it, it not break you? Like, what what gave you the strength? Was it your, your faith in God, your family? Like, yeah, what sure. kept you going? Uh, definitely my faith in God, my persistence of my family, them not letting me quit. Like, definitely calls. Uh, I was calling my mom and dad probably every day. My first phone bill, if I remember correctly, was $2,000. <laughs> That's before, you know, I had FaceTime and Skype and all that kind of <laughs> stuff. And it was just, it was just crazy. Like, they just kept... You know, pouring in me uh, belief and, and faith, and you know, we didn't raise a quitter. You know, you know how parents talk. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so they just you know just kept me on it, and uh, that's kind of you know why I didn't you know quit and come back. Did you feel uh, like I say I I I mean I shouldn't really care about how people feel, but like with me, you know, in the business side, the disappointments, and I guess it might be easier because there wasn't social media everywhere, right. but like. Did you feel, like, ashamed or, like, any sad to come back to Vegas, not making it to where everybody figured you would make it because yeah, they were looking um, at you? Maybe a little bit back then. I'm not really sure. It was a while ago, you know. Um, but I think the, the the biggest moments were just I didn't want to let down my parents. I didn't want to be uh, – because I know they poured a lot into this, you know, sending me to camps, sending me uh, to, you know, to like I said, to Gorman, which is a, a blessing in itself. And then, you know, just to, just trying to make them happy. And I think that's the biggest thing at the end of the day. Definitely. And then how did you end up in the D-League? So I had a daughter choice to either come go back overseas or stay and go to training camp. So I was like, you know, I didn't have a great experience. I just want to try this NBA thing out. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. So I went to D League. Uh, had a, had my mind on a mission to play well and to get a call up. And you know that's what happened. Did you get a call up to the Warriors or was it to one of the other teams? Uh, was so it, it Charlotte? Was actually, it was actually two teams at the same time. It was Charlotte Bobcats and the Golden State Warriors. And Golden mm-hmm. State pulled the trigger first. So definitely happy they did because the Bobcats sucked that year. <laughs> and like I know it was like you know talking about the Warriors it was his rookie year like when Steph came on the Warriors but yeah. could you the Steph that you see now did you see that back then or you thought he was just going to be a good role yeah. player going forward um you know I, I think uh people would be lying if they said they saw a superstar status yeah, you know in Steph because nice. you know he had ankle injuries he was small he had all these knocks on him coming out of college but you definitely saw the work ethic you saw the grind you saw the shooting ability he was definitely creative you know driving to the basket um Finishing at the rim, so um, to, to see him now is just crazy. You know how he changed the game and having little kids shoot, you know, fifty footers and uh, doing the little night night stuff. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> no left hand layup, right, but yeah. can shoot it. Right. <laughs> now I need you to put your GM hat on for a minute. Yep. 
those time in the Warriors, those first early years when Steph was his yeah. availability was limited. Yeah. Do you keep Monte or do um, you keep Steph? Obviously unknowing how their careers yeah, panned yeah. out. but I mean, I think they could have played together, but the way the basketball is moving, you can't play two small guards together. You got to mm-hmm. have, you know, like a Steph, and you got to have a, a 6'5", Clay Thompson or whatever who can you know, guard the superstar or whatever. So I think it was a, a good move. And obviously Monte, you know, didn't really like it that much. So obviously one of them had to go. So <laughs> obviously, you know, the best one stayed. <laughs> and then obviously you started – every level of your life at this point. Yeah. So was taking that role of a backup a hard pill to swallow, or did you understand that for you to have a long, successful career, that that's probably what you were going to have to do for a while? Yeah, I knew definitely going in, I wasn't going to be a superstar. Obviously, you know, I wanted to be one, but it doesn't work for everybody. Um, so I just had to play my role. My role was coming off the bench, bringing energy, uh, defense, offense. And uh, I think I did it to the best of my ability. That's why I stayed so long in the league. I mean, that's why a lot of players don't last long because they want to be the superstar. You got to go in there and find your role, whatever it be, defense, offense, uh, energy off the bench, uh, whatever the team needs for you that night, that's what you guys got to do. Yeah, it's, it's mind-blowing. You know, just from the outside looking in, you're like, this person averaged 30 in high school right. or, or 30 in college, but, like, they're a five-point player, and we're calling them sorry. Right, and like yeah. I'm like, they would kill. kill you can see yeah. what happens when they go to 24 right, or anything exactly, like that. Yeah. It's like – like yeah. they're cheating, they're a college player. Right, but uh, yeah. so, did you come after your first season with the Warriors? Did you come back home? Uh, yeah, I came home every summer. As soon as okay. the season over, I come home. So uh, obviously, everybody thinks, "Oh, he's in the NBA. He has millions and millions right. of dollars." <laughs> CJ is rich. Like, did you lose a lot of friends and a lot of family because uh, they think you changed or anything I like that? I, I say I lost them. I would just keep them at a distance or keep them at bay. Um, you know, obviously, when people think you made it, there's people going to come out the woodworks, family, friends. Um, and say certain things or, or do certain things to try to get your attention. But I think for me, I was just always grounded and, and no, I tried everyone. I treated everyone, you know, whether they had a million dollars or a dollar, I would treat you the same way. So it really doesn't matter to me what you have or what you don't have. I'm going to treat you the same way. Definitely. Did you have to learn how to say no? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's, it's definitely hard. I'm not gonna yeah. lie. Especially, you know, it's family still. that you grew up with who, you know, you've seen struggle, you've seen go through the ups and downs with you to tell them no, um, at certain points of life, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's hard. I say I bet I say I don't even really make it. People people think social media yeah. and they think you have X Y Z. I'll bet a Shark Tank. You made yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's it. I have five scores, and all right. of a sudden I'm like, bro, like overhead is so much. Every right. employee that I have has made more money right. than me because right, exactly. it's just always a constant flip to the next yeah, yeah. business and stuff like that. But yeah. uh, so let's let's just speak briefly on your little time in Golden State. Like you mm-hmm. finally you finally made it. You're getting some playing time. You averaged ten, I think, your second season. So yeah. just how how was that whole experience? It was fun. Uh, like I said, it just uh, goes to the testament of the work that I put in, you know, day in, day out, um, staying late in the gyms, going in the early mornings, uh, working on things that coaches said I needed to work on, and then seeing the production on the court. I think that was just the biggest thing for me. And then gaining confidence over time. You know, from your first year to your second year to your third year, you gain so much confidence of saying, oh, I, you know, I, I did this this night. Now I can really think I can play in this league and, you know, yeah. have a career. Definitely. And did you uh, when so when when that all came to an end, were you a free agent and went to the Bulls, or did you uh, get traded to the Bulls? Uh, so I got traded. So it's a it's a cool thing. I got a signing trade, which okay. is uh, pretty Basically. much I pretty much chose my destination. And that's the cool thing about uh, my career. I didn't really get traded. I got to choose everywhere I wanted to go. So it was always good on that aspect. And then you have MVP D Rose <laughs> at that time. Right. And the first question about D Rose is. Did he, like, hang out with you guys or actually yeah. talk to you guys outside of the game? Yeah, so for me, I'm a shy, reserved person. Uh, like, anyone knows me knows that. But when I say D-Rose is shy, like, I thought I was shy. Like, he's super shy. Like, yeah. he don't talk to nobody. <laughs> he don't talk. He don't smile. You right, don't know yeah. what mood he's in. But yeah. 
everybody's not made to be outgoing. Right, so yeah. it's just so, so how was that experience with the Bulls? Was that one of your favorite times playing? Yeah, that was NBA? my favorite. My, one of my favorite teams. Uh, we were we had the best record in the league for two years in a row. Um, the first year we came and surprised a lot of people. No one thought we would do well. But uh, just coming out there and being a playoff team with a new coach, um, everyone knew their role. Uh, coach Tibbs had everyone clicking, had everyone uh, knowing what to do. He treated everyone uh, just like uh, a superstar, you know, and then he got on everybody just like a superstar. D Rose couldn't do anything wrong, same way I couldn't do anything wrong. And the same thing for the last minute on the bench, so it was a good thing. And do you think uh, <clears throat> Coach Tibbs gets a bad rap just for running players into the ground or is it just like he just expects greatness out of everybody i think he expects greatness and to win in this league and in, in, in the nba is so hard like people take it for granted like he used to tell us all the time never take winning for granted if you can win no matter how it is by one twenty, you know just go out there and do it because the preparation you have to go into put into that winning that game is so much definitely and like i say your last uh five six years you played for brooklyn indian orlando so what was your favorite city to play in obviously besides chicago or even like on the road what was your favorite city or favorite uh teams to play uh i love playing the knicks like the knicks the crowd the ms uh msg was crazy because uh, they would boo you and then they would cheer <laughs> for you in the same moment uh and the energy at that place was just you know just electric um but i love playing in la toronto was fun um and i would say like maybe like a like a houston was pretty pretty cool too what were the worst worst places to play? Uh, Oklahoma City was terrible. <laughs> uh, nothing to do, right? Yeah, yeah, nothing to do. Not no good restaurants to eat at. But they had good fans though. Like, I can't I can't lie about that. And so talking about the fans, like um, I, I I don't know if it, is it the players now making a big deal? Like you know, Russ is always calling them out, and yeah. fans are you know they need to watch their mouth. But like, is that their job to like try to get in your head for the team? Yeah, for or sure. Or do you think they just they like it's kind of like internet gangsters? They think you're not going to do anything because you're going to get fined. Yeah, yeah. So. I think I think they think the players are not going to do anything, but I do think that it, it needs to be you know uh, reckoned with at some point because fans are reckless. Like I can understand you talking trash and. Uh, you're getting personal talking about my kids or or my wife or whatever the case may be like the Westbrook thing I, I mean that's that's an ongoing yeah. joke it's never probably never going to stop <laughs> I understand why he's mad but you know that's this I mean you can't shoot he's got to work on your game and I think that's something that he's probably going to show this year that you know he's worked on this game and um, they're not going to be able to say that anymore. Definitely. And, uh, you know, just like I don't think like once you got to the league, you were never the biggest, the strongest, the fastest. But what made you different? What kept you in the league that long? I just think my worth ethic. I think the same thing uh, translate back to high school. Like I was never the most talented or the best player. Uh, maybe my senior year, maybe. But I just put the extra work in. Like I would work up in the morning, run heels, uh, lift weights, uh, come back and shoot. Um, and that continued on through my junior and senior year continue through college, continue through the pros. So I think that's the, the biggest thing is just the work ethic. If you just work hard on other people, you'll get way farther in life. Definitely. Like I say, like you always hear that saying a lot, like the, there's a lot of, be, of better players athletically that didn't make it to the NBA. Oh, yeah, it's just they sure. didn't have the work ethic. They didn't take serious. They didn't go to school. Yep. You know, so just stuff like that. Yep. But uh, So what made you finally uh, hang it up? Was it a tough decision or did your body just say, hey, it's time, you didn't get a contract? So how did that go? Uh, a little bit of both. Uh, I didn't get a contract. I thought I should have got one. Uh, body was, was killing me. Um, and then uh, just, I think, just, just old age. Basketball is a young man's game, except for LeBron. Time to, to move on and do something different. I think that's just what I did. You didn't want to try to go back overseas or anything like that? Uh, actually, or I went back overseas for a couple months in okay, Turkey so uh, just to continue to play because I still had that, that itch of that bug to 
continue to play and just be around the locker room setting, be with the guys, uh, travel and stuff like that. But um, it was just it was just different. I was like, you know, what, this is not for me, so I just left. Definitely. Then a few years later, you reemerged in the Big Three. So how was <laughs> how was that experience like? Uh, it was it was fun. I never I, watching the Big Three from afar. I said I, I would never play in it. Did you missed the first year. You didn't play the first year. I didn't correct? play the first two years. The first maybe. two years. Yeah. Okay. I was like, I've never played because these refs are not calling no fouls. This is not the game for me. This is prison ball. Um, <laughs> this is a ball where I played a Vidula playing uh, with the old men or whatever. But uh, <laughs> it was fun, though. Like I said, just being back in the locker room setting with the guys, traveling, um, getting to play basketball, and uh, just do something I love doing. Do you think they should try to make it like maybe like an off-season league for more NBA players to get more expo- exposure and fans, or should they keep it – Mostly for like retired or up and coming players. I think like retired and maybe um, up and coming players, but uh, I think I think it's kind of getting uh, too much now because they're just letting anyone in kind of now. Um, if you keep it just to only professionals, I think you have a good little thing going. So let's talk about your three children's books you wrote. Mm-hmm. Like, what was the inspiration behind them? You can speak on each one of them individually. So, mm-hmm. what made you get into being an author? Uh, so I never wanted to be an author. I just was sitting on the couch one day, honestly, and was like, how can I continue to? inspire kids and also tell my story of how I grew up and the things that I went through. And I said, you know, why not write a book? I'd never written a book before. I read a lot of books, but never written one. And uh, I worked with this lady named Tamika Newhouse and just talked to her for five or six months and telling her all my thoughts and the stories and the things that I went through and uh, how I wanted to put it into the book. And then, you know, you see, we have the, the, the finished copy, which is the three books. Um, and uh, she really helped me out a lot, just put, going through the whole process, which is a very long process. Is this it for you or do you like, is this like a passion now that you're going to just continue to Um, try to write motivational books for kids? I think it's a passion. Like I I still want to tell my story. Like I said, I want to inspire kids and uh, let them know that, you know, obviously um, you can do whatever you want to do in life. Uh, Dreams are real. Just depends on how you want to go about doing it. Um, But uh, I'm definitely working on my fourth one right now. Just trying to find a publisher. I already finished it and everything. So just waiting to find one. Definitely. And then, um, so, and then now on to like your foundation. Um, so like I, every little reading I did, like even like your college bio, it was, he was like, you know, whatever award they give for, yeah. you know, being community, out in the community. Yeah. And in the beginning of the conversation, you started about like how your parents taught you how to like, so is that the, yeah. is that the reason why you're so involved in the community yeah. and trying to give, uh, bring the next person up behind you? Yeah, yeah, for sure. My parents, like I said, always had us doing stuff in the community. Um, my grandma had me doing stuff. So even here and also like in Tennessee, when I went to college, uh, I was always doing things in the community, just helping people out because I know the struggle. I know coming from nothing and, uh, and what it's like. So um, I always want to help the next person or, and help anyone just in need. Definitely. Like that's my that's my biggest thing. Like like me starting a business mm-hmm. is, was tough. Like right. obviously, like there's no African-American mentors that you can go to. And right. I think the ones that could possibly put you in position. They kind of always want to be the man. So they don't want to, they don't want to help the next person. And I think that's what's wrong in our community. Like everything, we try to make everything in competition, but like me helping you does nothing to me besides like, Hey, if you, you get put on, I don't have to take care of you. I'm talking about like for your your close friends and stuff. So like, I don't know, like I just, that, that's what I focus on. Like all the people that are younger, they send me DMS. Like, how do you do this? How do you get a business license, LLC insurance? And it's just like, I like as long as you're willing to come to me like obviously I don't have much time like right. I'm literally willing to help any way that I can because yep. I think like that's what what's missing like I would be so much further than five stores at this point if right. I had somebody that I right. can talk to yep. you know and I think it's just and it's prideful I think people need to start asking for help yeah, because yeah, I think sure, you yeah. know we'll definitely it opens up so many more doors and just be vulnerable right, yep. I guess is that so um so let's just let's talk about your foundation so like what is the sole purpose of it what do you hope to achieve how's everything going mm-hmm. Well, the foundation is called Quiet Storm Foundation. Uh, me and my parents started it back in 2009. 
Uh, we put on three or four different programs each year, uh, free basketball camp, uh, out of school program, uh, where we, where kids come in, uh, learn about healthy eating, uh, do have a gym instructor come and teach them about gym instructions, gym instructions, uh, to keep them healthy. And also a mental health coach to talk about mental, mental health. Uh, then we have a black history essay month contest, um, where we have a, a subject and kids write an essay and we pick uh, four or five winners. And when I played in the NBA, we used to fly them to whatever city I was in, limo ride, free hotel, everything. Uh, bring them on the court, show them the locker room, stuff like that. Meet the players. Life changing. Yeah, yeah, stuff like that. And uh, we do all that because those are things that I never got to do when I was young. I never went to an NBA game before I played in one. Parents couldn't afford a ticket. We Obviously, we didn't have an NBA team here. And, uh, but I just wanted to give these kids experiences and things that I never had so they can, you know, take this back. And like I said, do the same thing for other kids when they're growing up and, uh, and help people. So pretty much, let, let's say for somebody who doesn't have like the resources or the revenue to start a nonprofit, mm-hmm. like where should they start? Where should they go look to try to give back? Like what is what is a way to get us mm-hmm. involved? And I would like say that? just uh, helping out with the nonprofits that are in your in your area, in your community and areas that you want to help in, whether it be kids, whether it be homeless people. Just tap in with those people first and uh, get on with them and help them continue to grow their uh, foundation. But also, you know, ask questions. So how do I do this? Like, like you just said, how do I start a nonprofit? How do I what steps do I need to take? Do I need a license? All this kind of stuff. Definitely. Definitely. So what does the future hold for you? Like, uh, do you have any big plans business wise? Do you want to get into coaching, front office, any any more um, interest in sports, anything like that? Uh, I want to get in front office one day, maybe, uh, maybe coaching. I'm not really sure. Um, I have three kids, three daughters now, so I'm just running around everywhere. Um, but uh, I'm also an angel investor. I invest in different companies. I invest in about 30 companies in the last two or three years. So just trying to do that and uh, learn more about the VC world, about the angel investing world. Um, and uh, like I said, just, just kind of, like I said, help people and just keep it going. Definitely. I know that financial literacy, that's like the big, one of the biggest things besides mental health. That's I know it's popular to push right now, but right. I still think like those are definitely things that we all need. Like, yeah, yeah. Growing up, I mean, like I'm still learning and, right. you know, just how to, you know, not pay as much taxes right, like that, yeah, yeah. like president right, told yeah, everybody. Yeah. So just little stuff like that. But uh, I appreciate your time. You know, oh. Thanks for coming on. No, thank you, man. Appreciate it.